Welcome to the Hunting for Purpose podcast, the official podcast home for all human design manifestors. I'm your host, Holly Marie, a 4-6 clinic manifester, a certified human design teacher, and a manifester who is following her own creative urge to facilitate a thriving global community of aligned, powerful manifestors. Wherever you are at in your manifester journey, or even if you are here just because you love a manifester and you want to understand them a little bit more, this podcast is the place for you. Stick around for in-depth teaching, for real-life practical tips and understandings of the manifester journey, and how to become aligned and powerful and thriving as a manifester. You are here for global impact. You are here to change the world. The time is now. The journey is yours. This podcast is your home. Hello, everybody. Welcome back, of course, to the Hunting for Purpose podcast. We are on to part four of our variable series with the divine Vanessa Henry. Of course, as you all know by now, Vanessa is a 6-2 ego manifester, speaks profoundly and very intelligently into the space of variables in human design, which, I mean, I love because, A, nobody's really talking about this, I think, in the depth that it needs to be spoken about, and B, the person now talking about it is a manifester. <laughs> Which just seems Fun. like very correct to me. Like nobody's been doing that. Was... Let's get a manifester in that space. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I want to say, of course, there are other people who speak to this. Mm. I definitely watch them. There's definitely lots of great people who speak to color uh, and who even speak to tone. Those are my two areas I'd like to be recognized for. I'd definitely like to be known as oh yeah, that's where I go to translate that. It's like, great, fun. I love that. But as a manifester and an ego manifester, I think it's easy to understand that I might be loud about it at times. And that's why, you know, there's perhaps bringing some attention to this and awareness to this, but I've been in this area for a long time. Um, I kind of started playing it in, in 2018 and have been very transparent in my ongoing process and deepening of that study and deepening, watching people, learning through people, collecting examples, repeating those examples for others to learn through. And it's just been out of pure delight and devotion Mm -hmm. and staying with that and being interested in that because my personal experience, as we learned in the perspective um, episode, um, I've been through some trauma. And I'm looking out at the world and wanting to see what's going to help me take care of myself based on the things that I've gone through and coming to variable in human design. I speak many awareness languages, but the awareness language of human design is very rich because what I was looking for was a way to understand what happened to me Mm -hmm. and was a way to understand, well, how the hell did I get cancer? Like, it was very weird that my dad had cancer. And then a couple of years later, I had an unrelated cancer And I remember obsessively watching him and wanting to understand and willing to understand and then being terrified of my own power of of realizing on some level, I think I manifested that Mm -hmm. in order to understand what my dad was going through. And it became so much of my story as being somebody who had cancer as a child, surrounded by cancer, watch all these kids die of cancer on the cancer ward, lost the family members of cancer. It just became so loud. Um, I recently just found... um, a past story of mine where 10 years ago, I was doing an interview uh, for Cancer Awareness Month, which is April coming up. And um, I was a spokesperson for Canadian Cancer Society for for some time. And I was my message was listen to your body, your body is send is speaking in a language for you to interpret. And I was just like, felt Mm. such a sense of healthy pride in like, that really is your message, Vanessa. 
And that really is what your story points to. And you're still telling that message. But what's different now is you've started to interpret and translate what the messages mean that your body emits, whether that's referencing Louise Hay, whether that is using the human design variable system, whether that is looking at the poetry in something like astrology or numerology, or whether that is basing it on real physical um, manifestations in the body with the medical field and looking at your blood pressure and looking at your blood counts and what are my neutrophils doing? What is my hemoglobin doing? You know, this is not about eschewing doctors and medicine, but how do I work with those things in a way that I know what my body signs and symbols mean? I know when I emit this, something is going on. I know how to take care of myself. I didn't have that language when I got sick. And when I got sick, I remember thinking, I don't understand how this happened to me. And doctors said, sometimes this happens. And it, it was, it was very encouraging. You know, they're trying to be kind and compassionate, but I was like, mm, I don't know. And we're learning so much about how things that happen in the formless part of us or the morphogenetic field or our, our aura, whatever happens in the formless part of us, that's where we get sick first. And then when it gets to the body, it's like a last resort. It's like the body's shouting for attention. We already missed the signs. We already missed it when it went through that field. And so how can we learn more about that field? We're so evolved now as a species. Humanity is so aware and so evolved. We can feel things when we walk into rooms. You know, we can sense things in our people. We think about our friend and know we need to reach out. What is going on there? Well, Let's just look for a minute and understand it and let's be open-minded in a way. And when we do that, wow, do we reach new levels of personal powers? We unlock new senses that really make us seem supernatural. Like our soup, our natural abilities have supernatural potential if we just know how to take care of ourselves. And now that I've been in this area of study for such a time, it's like, wow, I'm seeing the transformations people are going through. I don't even know that they realize how brilliant they are there. I'm going to tell them that. <laughs> and so a lot of the feedback I get is like, wow, Vanessa, to be seen by you when you talk to me or interpret my design or, or show me something, I really feel seen by you. And I think that's because I'm looking at them through the lens of their energetics and their human experiences and just considering the person perhaps a little bit more thoughtful way because you're curious about who they are and, and what they need to be well, it's led me into some really cool places, you know, and, and as a manifester, how the hell do you stay in one place for so long? You know, we're designed to peace out, but I've been here and it's because there's so much, it's so interesting to me and we're still getting sick. So let us still understand why that's happening. Right. Right. Um, I think that, you know, when I was having my first child, another mother said to me, remember that nobody knows your child as well as you know your child. And I, I think, love that. Yeah, for me, that was so resonant of all of these other areas of my life as a person who had also gone through extensive, you know, medical trauma and chronic illness. Um, I really felt like no one knows my body like I know my body. And mm -hmm. we come through a medical system that tells you the opposite. The medical system that says give away your knowledge of self to people who are educated in the Western medical system, and I'm I'm not shitting on that at all. I mean, the nope. Western medicine saved my life. I I would not be here without you know the pharmaceutical and surgical treatment that I had for many many years. Um, mm -hmm. However, yeah, I want to underscore that. Like this is not to shame that. You know, it's it's <laughs> this is to complement and support that. Right. You know, right. to add a little bit extra something. 
But who has more of an investment in your body than you? Who has more knowledge of the entire story of your body than you? Who's the person that receives the first pieces of information from your body, those first symptoms, those first messages? Who is the one who is constantly in communication with your body? It is you. And so on the one hand, I think that that pushes us into a position in a medical system where we need to become our own advocate. And that is a bumpy, bumpy journey to do. But on the other hand, it I think what you're describing is that it opens up this huge scope of experience that we get to have as individuals where we say, what are all of the languages then that give me more access to this? What are all of these ways that I can discover more about myself? And um, it's it's beautiful. I love to call it awareness languages. It is awareness languages. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Is that not, I mean... When we look at any kind of spirituality, personal development, energetics, all of these, you know, modern labels that we like to put on it, we've spent millennia. It's not even spirituality. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. Like, but think about love languages and, you know, oh, I need words of affirmation or think about, you know, what was that? You, you reference this a lot, our coping mechanisms. Oh, I have an attachment style. Like these are all languages. Absolutely. We use to understand our experience. There's a book I recently read by Alistair Sandhouse. It's called Head First, How the Mind Heals the Body. Mm-hmm. And it was exploring how illness happens in the mind or in the formless and it, it ripples into the body. But it was also exploring how when we go into the medical field, um, we can in- get induced with such trauma because the doctors are all such specialists in individual areas and they miss that there's something going on with the wider body. And so as a last resort, they often go into psychology or psychiatry, which Alistair Santhouse is part of, and he sees people as like a last resort where they can't figure out what's going on. Oh, maybe it's then in the mind. And his whole thing was, why is that the last resort? Why, you know, why don't we start there? And so much of it became understanding their traumas and how they really did have physical manifestations of illness in their body because there was literally patterns of behavior or ideas or concepts that were toxic to the individual and they weren't properly understood, which is leading us into the motivation variable. Mm. This is the final variable we're looking at. It's the top right variable on the conscious side. It's on the black side. And the motivation variable is measuring our ability to understand what we're seeing through our perspective. So if our perspective isn't aligned, we're not going to go to that mode of understanding with whatever our motivation is. Motivation is helping us to make sense of the world around us. And when we finally get to this variable and it's the last one, this is our ability to kind of go and make these big realizations about our own life that do lead to change and making different decisions and different choices. But in theory, this is the hardest variable to get to and to understand because we're asking you to understand the way you understand the world. Mm -hmm. We're asking you to understand how you understand. Mm -hmm. And that's complex. Yeah. You know, it's very complex. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, as somebody with an undefined head, sometimes I just circle the drain on this one. I'm like, but I, how am I? Oh my God, what? this is, <laughs> love that you brought that up. I'm defined head. So once <laughs> I get locked on a concept, I'm like, got it, <laughs> here we go. But I do connect with with undefined heads and what the undefined head does so beautifully is they're tasting that idea and they're like, is this have any legs? You know, this is right. a good idea. Is this even oh. real? Like, is this, this worth even it? true? Yeah. I mean, you yeah. know, my conscious son is also 63. So I, I apply, mm, you know, it's in that unconscious head, um, undefined yeah. head, sorry. Um, 
I have, I have learned, I think, very well over the years to apply that sort of loving investigation for truth into anything. Yes, love that. Right? If I, and your I, cross of consciousness. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, you're mm-hmm. talking about that whole, I mean, just backtracking a little bit. You're talking about that whole cross of experience healing. as a manifester, right? Yeah, that cross yeah. of healing. Like, how have I stayed in this same space? It's because that is the representation. This is the current evolution of, of, I mean, your incarnation cross, the way that you approach the world. For me, every totally. piece of work that I've mm-hmm. done, every macro urge that I've existed within has been about understanding the human experience. <laughs> I just want to, yeah. I want to understand yeah. why. I want to understand why and I want other people to understand why for them as well. To me, that's such an expansive place to live in and I can 100% see that thread through everything. So even though as manifestors, we talk about like we never stay in one place too long. and There's a common thread. There's There's a through line. Yeah. Still under like a life purpose. We're still on a theme. Like we're still here for something. We have drive. Right. We have a motor to our throat. We have drive and we drive towards something. Absolutely. And so I think manifestors, when they arrive at a place where they're ready to discover more about themselves, concepts like this, especially when we reach motivation on the variables, like even though, even though they can be mentally very challenging to grasp, there's a juiciness to that. There's like a, you know, I, I, I like to take pride in you know, that's so funny to hear myself say that as an ego person, because I try to stay away from the language of pride, but I do take pride in my ability to break down a concept. Oh, I think and you make it very is... easy, Vanessa. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, compliment. Hi, compliment. Love that. Um, but I'm looking at your undertone and I, I haven't actually, I haven't realized this about us, Holly, but your perspective sense is security, same as mine. And mm-hmm. your motivation sense is action, same as mine. So our depths Yay. are very similar. <laughs> yeah, girl, that's fun. Is that that's why we fun for us. <laughs> you know what? Well, we we resonate because we're both shores people. And, and mm-hmm. as you decondition, you'll start to collect friendships in your environment. So if you're markets, you'll collect a bunch of markets friends. If you're caves, you'll collect a bunch of caves friends. And I, I really noticed this. My shores network has really grown. Yeah, mine too. And when I look, when I look at, you know, you also will resonate with the perspective someone has. If you're both personal view, you'll really resonate. But when you look at it at the depths, uh, when you look at the tonal level and you, I can see your senses, I'm like, holy shit, I get you. I know why you're moving, how you move the way you move. And I think people can get intimidated by me sometimes. Like when I look at them and I really understand what's going on, they're like, oh uh-huh. shit, Vanessa. Okay. Like they feel seen in this manifestory way, but I would love to go through the colors of the motivation variable because this, some of this language will sound familiar to you. If you're playing in the human design space, you probably heard some of these words before. So I just want to quickly go over them. The motivation variable's first color is fear. Ooh, we hate that one. We're like, fear? What? Yeah. No, it's a beautiful thing. Second color is hope. Third color is desire. And oh, does everybody want that one? They're like, desire? I want that. But it's a three. It's a mutative thing, right? Uh, Fourth color motivation is need. Fifth color motivation is guilt. And that's one that people get very activated by. So I'm going to actually take a moment after this to explain that one specifically. And the last color, of course, is 
innocence. Mm. We already learned what the senses were in the last episode, but I'll go over them again because, you know, maybe you skipped it. Maybe you hate perspective, whatever. I don't know. The senses on the personality side are security, a one, uncertainty, a two, action, a three, meditation, a four, judgment, a five, and acceptance. And sorry, I I clicked my thing. We'll edit that out. And acceptance, (laughs) a six. So a little moment to talk about guilt motivation, which is a five. And there's a theme here. If you notice, I take some time with the five in, in the colors because, well, transparently, if we look at the profiles, we often hear that the six is the teacher. And I disagree. I think the the five is is the teacher. As somebody who is a six, I feel like a student at this time in my life. And I understand that people will look to me to watch my story and see how I transform. And there's maybe a teaching in that for them. But for me, as the person who is the six, you know, human design is translated from a fifth line perspective and it looks out at the six and it's like, oh, the six. But as the person who is the six, I feel like the student and all my teachers have been fives in some way, whether that's a three, five profile, a five, one, a five, two, a two, five, but also a valley's person. Ra himself is a five. Yeah. Ra was a five, one, wasn't he? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But valleys is a five. High and low sound is a five. Probability view is a five. And guilt motivation is a five. And the five, in my opinion, is very, very, very special and quite misunderstood. And there's so much wisdom there. So if you're guilt motivation, please don't feel like, oh God, I'm motivated by guilt. Mm -hmm. Let us understand what motivation is. It's your ability to comprehend and understand and make sense of the world around you. And what the guilt motivation really is, is it's when it's when we've looked out at the playing field of life and we saw something through that clear frame of mind, our perspective, what are we seeing through that clear frame of mind? What's helping us to understand? Guilt motivation is really motivated to fix things or come to solution, you know, based on like these things that they're going through and these things that they understand, they have these answers and it's very satisfying in a way to be able to go, oh, we'll do this and here's how that would work. And, you know, they have this natural ability to do that, but they get confused and they think anytime I feel guilty, that icky feeling inside, it's going to move me in this direction. Well, no, not necessarily. You know, we have to unpack guilt. We all experience that type of guilt, that feeling of like almost ickiness or shame, you could say, or regret or whatever that is. But when we're looking at it in the motivation, we're not talking about that specifically. You know, it's not that we're not talking about that, but we can get so caught up in our mind's perception of what that is. So when somebody experiences a motive or somebody is a guilt motivation, they they do like to come to solution, you know, or here's a, something that we could try and it will likely work. And that's what we'll put our best energy toward. And to not do that is going to transfer you. It's going to transfer you to hope where I don't have to do anything about it. someone else will come along and do this for me and I don't have to do it. And if your guilt motivation, it's your responsibility to also learn about hope. As we talked about in perspective, if you want to understand the full scope of your color, you should always be looking up, well, what is my color? What is my motivation? And what do I transfer to? And you will always transfer to three away three colors away. If you're upper trigram, you'll, you'll transfer to lower trigram. And if you're lower trigram, you'll transfer to upper trigram. And I won't get into this on this, on this podcast, but this is where we explore trajectories Mm -hmm. and, you know, the way, the path in which our mind understands things, but guilt, 
is not bad. Okay. None of the colors are bad. None are better than others. They are just all representing certain archetypes. Like I said, like we all want desire because it sounds good. Right. But actually that one's really, really messy. You know, so let, let us just understand what that is. Or they want innocence. People are always drawn to the threes and sixes, you know, and oh, innocence. Right. Is like, What's but that? Innocence I'm so anti-motivated. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, innocence is I so misunderstood. Innocence is the hardest and probably the one that people question the most. Like, how does yeah. that even work? Especially manifestors that show up with an innocence motivation. Yeah. It's very yeah. hard for them to reconcile. What are some of the things you hear the most about that? Where do, what's the confusion around innocence? About innocence? I think mm -hmm. I think for, for certainly for manifestors, it's that removal of self. It says like, how, yeah. how am I not motivated by my own self-agenda, by my, my own self-interest here? When as a manifestor, I receive creative urges and they come through me and I am the conduit and I take this personal ownership of them and then I initiate them in the world. Um, and I think as manifestors as well, we have this, this level of energetic management that is required where we need to be, for lack of a better way of putting it, we need to be somewhat selfish in the way that we energetically operate with the world, right? To say, no, you, you can't actually come into my space and no, I'm not going to respond to that thing. And I'm not going to be involved. In I like to say something about this. You know how we have words like self-centered is a bad word. You know, it's like, oh, you're self-centered. Okay. Well, can we just flip that around to make it positive? I'm centered in myself. I'm centered in self. You know, I like that type of language for innocence people, because when we're here, here's a, here's a very, I, I mentioned before, Holly and I are both action sense in our motivation very, very well. So we like to concisely break these things down in these little ways that we can understand. I want to do that for innocence, mm. but Holly, I see that you're frozen. So I'm going to pause till I Oh, I'm, yep, I'm here. Am I back? Are you there? I am. You're back now. Okay. Ew, okay. You're innocence. back. Let's go. So the innocence motivation, let's start, actually, let's start with desire. Desire motivation really wants to bring change. You know, they want to get involved and bring change. Innocence motivation is changed by the experience. They don't want to bring change. They're experiencing it and they're changed by what they've, what they've experienced, what they've gone into. And so they kind of go off on their own path and they're kind of living out this way, living out the changes. But anytime they want to turn around and get involved, eh, they're transferring. Yeah. Innocence motivation is better known for, I don't want to get involved in that. Like I'm doing my own thing. You know, don't drag me into that. I don't need to get involved. And that's a great distinction between the two and to recognize that. So if you're innocence or desire, you know, do I want to get involved here? And as a desire person, I want to get involved. So if I'm ever feeling like I don't want to get involved, I maybe need to look at that because typically I'm somebody who wants to get into something. So is that maybe not for me or is that maybe going to transfer me? And on the opposite end of the spectrum, if you are somebody who's innocent, anytime you turn around, you're seeing like, ah, I may want to get into that. Check yourself, you know, because actually you don't need to get all caught up in the mess. Just witnessing and taking in the mess is enough to change you and influence you and in how you want to carry yourself forward. So when we say you don't have an agenda or you're anti-motivated, it's really saying, I don't need to go get into everybody else's shit. I'm really here to follow my own path, but I am seeing what's going on around me and it is informing me of what I do or do not want to participate in. Mm. This is where I love, particularly in the way that you teach it, where there is this correlation between the line aspect and drawing it back yes. out into that bigger concept for me is so helpful because when I think about, oh, okay, innocence is a, it's a six line, right? And as a six line, think about it like it that. Is, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a, a six removal. color. 
Yeah, right. It's that like, but the colors are based on the lines. There's a relationship through all these stories. You know, the, the story of the one to the six is seen everywhere. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and as that six, it is a separateness. It is an objectivity, right? If I think about, you know, the six line need to be on the roof and that experience that happens to us when we either take ourselves off the roof or somebody else takes us off the roof. Drags us down. Yeah. Oh, I just had one of those recently. God, it made me angry. Right. And, And we get pulled down into the mix of like what is happening at that human level. It feels so utterly incorrect to to do that totally to be, it's like this i'm i'm not at the right altitude here like i can't i can't play love that language level, right it doesn't it doesn't work for me mm-hmm. so um i love applying that particularly to the understanding of inner well i like to just reference the other variables so that people can understand their relationship so like let us go to environment Think about the shore, transferring to the kitchen, right? Getting into the mess when we'd rather be detached looking at the mess. You know, we don't actually want to go participate in all that. Like, that's cool. Make your art. I will will adore your art from afar and I'll make my own funny little art over here. But to get into it with everyone is just not for me, but I'm drawn to it. I'm always going to be drawn to it. I just must recognize when that happens. And that's the same thing going on in the motivation, right? There's the same relationship between the colors, no matter what variable you're looking at. You just want to understand how to somewhat apply those concepts to a new area, right? Mm-hmm. Whether we're looking at determination and we're understanding what do I need inside my body or looking at environment, what do I need around or on the outside or surrounding my body? Or if we're looking at perspective, how do I see things on the outside of me? Or if we're looking at motivation, how do I make sense of those things I'm seeing inside myself? All the concepts will be related. You know, they'll all tell a very similar storyline, if that makes sense, because they're all in relationship with each other. So once you start playing with this area, you know, you you start to go into these rich fields of self-understanding that leads to this new way of self-governing and and mm-hmm. and making sense of the world around you which ultimately leads to making new decisions and creating a whole new life experience for yourself because you're understanding why you chose the way you chose before and it doesn't make sense for you and you understand that now and so you're forced to somewhat choose another way well you've just gone through radical transformation because you're not choosing the same things you've always chosen you're going a path that we could say is easier and more aligned to you based on your increasing level of personal awareness i love that i love that what is your motivation venice on your chart I need motivation. I have four. I love the way you say that because I feel like the ones like we've discussed this, you know, like fear and need and guilt, they get such a bad rap from the context of that word. But they're so beautiful. Jess, you're right. You know, need is such a beautiful motivation. There's triggering words, right? Like as soon as you start to study the mind, you understand, okay, somebody's going to be hella activated by that. Like they see need and they think I don't have to do what everybody needs or what do I need? It's like, pause. Okay. Let us understand the need motivation. So need motivation is really, it's a four. So what is everything we know about the four? What do we know about the opportunist? What do we know about calm and nervous touch? What do we know about the mountain? What do we know about, what's the perspective one? Wanting view. You know, once we get to need motivation, we're looking at the other and it's our people. And I like to think of inner vision cognition. 
need is is very motivated by what isn't there. Why have we not seen this yet? Why is nobody doing this yet? We really need this. My people need this. This would make things better. I'm not seeing it out there. So in this weird way, they're very motivated by what has not yet come into form. And they want to bring it to form, right? Like they want to give energy to what has not been given energy to or what is not yet there. And so some really orienting language I like to play with with need motivation is sometimes I have a really hard time seeing what the priority is, which is fear. You know, fear wants to get the priority, get down to things, understand. And I sometimes it's like everything is feeling like a priority to me. And okay, I'm transferring. So some language I use is like, what's absolutely necessary here? Mm. What's necessary? to get me to where I'm going. And that can be very like, kind of get me back into my spirits, you know, gather all my spirits, call myself back into my body. What's necessary here. Okay. And it's, it's, it's funny. You can just click into this mindset that this, that boom, boom, boom. And I can just kind of maneuver. But when I, I get all spirally and lost and I'm like, "Eh, I can't think I usually go put myself outside. I'll usually go put myself in the shore. You know, just to reset my body, self-regulate my body because I'm not thinking clearly. So if I'm not thinking clearly, I, what do I, how do I take care of myself? Experiment with your body as a shores person. I'm going to change my environment. So do you see that? Do you see there's like a path there? And so many people are like playing with variable. There's nothing to do. There's nothing to experiment with. It's just, it's just knowledge. It's like, well, hold on. There's a, a practical way you can move through this and and understand the signs your body is emitting, what you're feeling, you know, all you have to, I just had this moment, Holly, the other week where I was home alone and I was feeling activated by another manifester. Ooh. I'm going to share it here. Actually, I'm going to share it. I'm going to share it. I know vulnerable moment. Vulnerable Ooh, yeah, moment. Tell us. A lot of people I've worked with have been reaching out to me about my work and environment. Now, I tend to emphasize the environment variable because I think it's a really malleable variable we can play with. I think it's a great starting point and I love it so much. So I tend to bring everything back to that. Like we're learning about motivation and I'm saying, if you can't think, play with your environment. So it always kind of comes back to that. And a manifester reached out to me recently and was like, I want to let you know I'm I'm leaving my partner. I have really been thinking about what you've been saying about my environment and it's not resonating. And the more I think about it, it's my partner. And I was so activated by this because I've heard of this from a lot of other people. Well, there's been a pattern of people reaching out to me and it's sort of activated me where I was like, finally, the manifester finally reached out and activated me because it was all generators and projectors telling me I've left my partner. I've left my this, or I'm leaving my career. And this manifester finally reached out and I was so activated and I was like, holy shit, I do not want to be known as the person who makes someone like leave their partner. This oh my God. Not, and so I was like, okay, I, want. No. Just, I don't want to be known for that. Like I had yeah. this moment of panic. And so I kind of oriented, I was like, is there a chance finesse you're taking on too much responsibility here? I was like, of course. But my, my mode immediately was which friend do I got a Voxer? Like, oh my God, I'm upset. And I was like, okay, is there a chance you're co-regulating when you could do this on your own? I was like, shit, yes. Like (laughs) I can maybe do this on my own and maybe I don't need to reach out to anyone. And what I, when I was kind of talking myself through that, what I got to was, you know, you can't control as a manifester what's going to happen after you express yourself. And sometimes we can hear the feedback of what people do and it rattles us so much that we don't want to continue expressing and this was a particular moment of that happening for me, but I'm aware and, to, and know to be aware of that. So when I noticed it happening, when I kind of deduced it and was looking at it, it was like, I don't want to be punished for that. 
Mm. Like, I don't want people to start saying she's that. She's going to make you leave your wife or leave your husband or leave your partner. And I was like, oh, God. Uh, uh. And my my consciousness kind of came in and was like, well, would you rather those people stay in an unhappy relationship? I was like, no, of course not. So who cares if you activated them to get out of a bad thing? We're just seeing so many people are in careers they don't want to be in, in marriages they don't want to be in, in friendships they don't want to be in. And they need someone to kind of come in and rattle them to say, "Have you? are you aware of what's going on here? And are you happy? And it's kind of upsetting how many people are unhappy and, and we could say stuck. And I think I was feeling that upset, you know, this another person's coming, another person's coming. I was like, wow, there's a lot of people I'm realizing who are maybe not happy. And I was just feeling the weight of that. And it was almost going to crush me to the point where I was like, I got to go co-regulate with someone. But I was like, wait, you know, maybe we don't have to do that anymore. And that's all credited to the study and awareness of human design and being able to recognize my own patterning of that happening. I also hear a lot of people talk about six lines, like we're so weird and like, your experiences actually don't make sense. Like we don't actually get what you're saying. And like, you're a weirdo, you're full of helium. And I'm like, that's true. We are. Not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I think too, there's a space and maybe this is, this is relevant to the six line, but I tend to think of it more of the, the manifest energy. Cause I see this amongst manifestors and MGs that when we are initiating through the throat, it's not so much about the words that we are saying. It's the frequency. It's the frequency, Mm -hmm. right? And that frequency is a very malleable, adaptable energy. And so as it ripples out, it mutates and it hits people in the way that they need it to hit them. The way they need. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember hearing, I'm pretty sure it was Elizabeth Gilbert, but maybe it wasn't. Don't quote me on that. But I'm pretty sure it was Elizabeth Gilbert saying that uh, she was at a book signing once and uh, this this woman, and it was after she'd written like Big Magic, you know, which is all about creativity and ideas. Yeah. And this woman had come up to her and said, you know, I loved, I loved reading Big Magic. It had this huge impact on my life. When you spoke about leaving your marriage, it, it you know, told me that I should leave my marriage. And Elizabeth Gilbert mm. was like, that the book doesn't that's not what I said talk about yeah. <laughs> it's not, it is not what it yeah. is in the book like at all yeah. um and I I've carried that story with me because I I yeah. feel like that's such a common experience for those of us with this manifesto energy within us that once once we have manifested once we have initiated from the throat we are under no control as to what that energy mm-hmm. does and how people receive it. And like, you know, I, I get that same experience often. Like, will people come back to me and say, oh, you know, you really inspired me to do this huge thing. I sold all of my belongings or I quit my job or I left my marriage. And I think, oh my God, I'm responsible for that. What if it doesn't work out for them? Yeah, it's a totally a fine heart thing. It's like you take an excess amount of responsibility, even though we know better. But like the immediate reaction is like, oh my God, is it my fault? It's like, there's no fault here. What's what's the whole fault thing? Which I think is just a trauma response yeah. of us wanting to be, you know, of us learning to be people pleasers, which yeah. is people pleasing. I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to take a little moment to vent about that because <laughs> your whole body people is like- pleasing. My body is sitting up as like, hold my hands up. I'm like, hold the phone. I have something to say about this because I've been talking about this lately. Um, I don't like how we talk about people pleasing and manifestors. I'm upset, I'm upset by this and I want to take a moment to talk about it. We are, I think, far too flippant in, in the human design space with saying, just get over it. You're a people pleaser. Like, like, it's not a big deal. Get over it. 
but people pleasing for manifestors is like for anyone, but let's focus it on manifestors. This is a trauma response. Yep. You were, had a particular behavior and you experienced some type of abuse on the outside of you. And you are now adjusting your behavior to avoid experiencing that abuse again. This is a, that's a trauma response. So let us not be flippant about people pleasers and let us understand that these people are in somewhat of a recovery. And how can we start to speak to these people in a soft way that recognizes this is a trauma response and they actually need compassion, not saying get over it. Like your people, please. Like there's, there's so somewhat of a, like a distaste there. Like we like yep. spit it out, like get over it. It's like, yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. Excuse yeah. Like me? Oh, you silly little manifester. Like you're, just Oh, you silly little manifester by being a people. Oh my God. That, that I fucking language, hate that. <laughs> that language so throughout much. human design of like manifestors, you don't get need over to it. be a people pleaser. Just stop. Like, can you we? don't have to do that? Stop being like that. It's like, I don't know how. It's a learned behavior. I'm traumatized by the spaces around me wanting to control me. Hold on. Oh my God. The other day I yelled on the internet. I yelled at people on the internet. And then I was like, people were like, please share, make this a real. And I was like, I don't think I can do that. I'm a little hot here. Ego manifestors and you yell. Yeah. That was beautiful. Yeah. And I'm like, you, okay. I was like, you don't have to do this or whatever. And then I, I, preface like in the comment like this is spicy and here's who I was speaking to and I got no negative feedback about that and I was shocked I think it was because I I let it come out unfiltered and then I had the afterthought to go here's who it's for I'm just informing you it was like a two-step informing process it was an emotional manifester that time during the the transits (laughs) and um you know I did that two-step informing process a little different for me than as an ego being but um I was shocked that I felt like I was yelling at people and they liked it. So that's when I was like, I have no idea what the people want. So I'm just going to do what I want to do. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to have a good time and laugh at myself. That yeah. need motivation of yours, for me, that's so apparent in your work. So apparent Ooh, in everything that you do. I would love to know how you see that. Really? <laughs> Shall I reflect yeah, I'd love that. Please. I think that, mm-hmm. that everything that comes through you, knowing that you, uh, like me, create products from urges, right? That they're not mm-hmm. necessarily a purely strategical uh, business decision. Um, but for you, they come from that place of here's my urge and I'm letting it out and letting it be expressed. And then I shall go away again because mm-hmm. I am tired. Bye. Now. I'm <laughs> a hermit. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, but every single one of the things that you create, whether it's, you know, currently we're talking about the wellness club, you've had uh, radical experiments before that, you were doing variable readings before that, you used to have yep. the, it's been a um, journey. the membership, right? It's been really beautiful. Every mm-hmm. single one of those things has met a need within the human design community that is not being addressed elsewhere. Yeah. Even, you know, when I see from what I know of your journey, particularly with the wellness club. And I I said this to you when you first put it together, this is such a beautiful culmination of all of these pieces. It's kind of like the hybrid has now come together and it's woven, which is such a beautiful manifesto expression. Like I honored all of the micro creative urges before this, not knowing what they would be and what they would mean. Right. And now, now they form fully into this picture and the wellness club meets this enormous need amongst the collective to say there's a language within human design that can help this but the language alone is not enough we need these ways to apply it to make it with it to make it practical to make it and but to do that with 
grace and openness and mm-hmm. and this experimental almost this like three line energy of like let's like six lines are they're just two threes like we I, love trial and error you know we just it. have this way of going about it something that was really something that was really freeing for me was to realize I manifest out of order. Like sometimes I'll be manifesting something and working on something and then I lose it. And it's like, no, 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 no. We're not done. Like, oh my God, what, you know, like that kind of feeling. Yeah. But then I've learned to just start to move away from it. Like I've created whole big things and then something started to feel like, "Mm, mm, mm," you know, and to just back off at those times. Like I used to get quite discouraged, but now I've learned back off. Cause it might cut, it might be a part of something else. And that's what I've really been doing with my variable experimentation. And now I've reached this point where I created this massive library. I've created these experiments. I've created these dives. Um, I have these kind of concepts I want to play with, with people. It's self-driven in that. Like I'm the one who's interested. I want to watch you. I want to see you be well. I want to learn through you. You know what I mean? Like yeah, but you're I'm looking for something. Exactly. I'm looking for something. Let us understand, but I can't, I can't understand through myself. I I need people around me who resonate with my style of expression, who are curious about falling in love with their own design, learning their own depths and really accessing a new level of awareness of, of health, accessing a new, a new, a new health, a new, a new, a new state of health, I guess. But I need to do that with people. I'm a six line. You know, I need the 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 ones around me to learn with and through. And so if somebody w- resonates with my style or resonates with my expression, I do want to call them in, you know, and I do kind of develop relationships with people because I want to see you. I want to learn your design. I want to learn what happened to you because it helps me build data. Oh, look at that. Now we see another person had cancer and I see they have undefined center and that's where their cancer was. Oh, another chronic illness story. Look at what's defined in them. Holly and I just kind of before getting into our call had this conversation about trauma around authority. Mm. Um, I had shared with with Holly as I was um, bringing this into reality, I had a cardiac event, which is something that happens to me as an ego manifester. I often have cardiac experiences that move me into the hospital. And so this March, I was in the hospital, which nobody may know about that because I hold a public appearance, right? And you can't see that that's happened, but something was going on with my heart and I needed to kind of go get checked and have everything monitored. And in sharing this with Holly, she was telling me about everything going on with her liver well, wouldn't you know it? Her spleen's defined. She's a splenic authority. So it led us to this conversation about like, what is with the trauma around manifestors authority? Ego manifestors have these cardiac experiences sometimes. Um, Emotional manifestors at times have hormonal or something with their menstrual cycle or their diets. Even we had talked about and splenic Holly was talking about liver. What, what was what you had said about this? What have you noticed about the trauma through manifestor authorities? Uh, you know, I think backing it up a little bit, for me, that was actually the entrance point into human design. I'd, I'd been yeah. really resistant to human design before that. And there was this specific moment when uh, Eden Carpenter was talking about human design and she had up the body graph. And Eden and I are both both nurses, both come from a registered nursing background. And so Eden was talking about, you know, the body graph and the kind of the physiology of it, right? So like yeah. this, this splenic side kind of runs through the hepatic line and and I was like, yep. oh, God, there it is. <laughs> like, there yeah. it is. To me, it was the first true representation of why I, as a splenic authority, had experienced a rare autoimmune liver disease, right, that just it came out of 
seemingly nowhere. Autoimmune. We see that a lot with spleen. Autoimmune. Yeah. Hugely, right? Because yeah. autoimmune really is just saying your body is under such a state of trauma that your immune system, which is your most primal, your primal baseline system in your body says, I can't do anything with this. It is not being expressed out of the body and I cannot hold it within the body either. And so it has to express in one of the systems. And so we now have this plethora yeah. of autoimmune diseases, This just this huge scope. It's a massive area in medicine that is still entirely misunderstood, um, has no understanding of where in the medical space, no understanding of where it comes from, how to treat it, how to cure it. And so we're seeing people with, particularly inflammatory autoimmune conditions, finding healing or recovery in alternative measures, right? We're going into trauma work. We're going into transmutative energy work. Um, And what I've seen specifically, as I was saying this to you before, I've seen this specifically amongst manifestors, but I would be very curious to do a much wider study and see if this shows up amongst the other energy types. Yeah. What I've seen in manifestors is that there's a, this direct connection between chronic inflammatory disease and your, your inner authority and trauma. There's this kind of triangle connection. Firstly, I don't know a single manifestor that has not had major trauma. It just totally, it's like comes, it's par for the course. Correct. It's just part of our, our experience, but we certainly, in what I have seen, you know, I see a lot of emotional manifestors who will have these inflammatory conditions around um, like the reproductive system, that lower digestive system. So we're talking about things like endometriosis, adenomyosis, Mm -hmm. Crohn's disease, Mm -hmm. ulcerative colitis, irritable bowel syndrome, all of these. Oh yeah. Um, We see amongst splenic manifestors that we're getting hepatic issues. So we're seeing liver disease, gallbladder issues, splenic issues, um, even pancreas issues. We're seeing like diabetes, gestational diabetes, And then amongst the ego manifestors, we're really seeing these cardiovascular conditions. We're seeing issues with the heart, issues with the lungs, issues with the blood flow, even down to, Mm -hmm. um, even down to like circulatory disease, right? Which is, that's where I resonate with it a lot. Yeah. 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 These like Mm -hmm. teeny tiny, there's a, a disease that's quite common, but not spoken about often, which is called rain AIDS disease, right? Mm -hmm. Which is. Right. Where they're at, at a time I had, I had rain AIDS disease as one of my secondary, I don't know, it was like my 11th chronic condition when you just pack it all in together. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's where the blood doesn't circulate to the extremities of the body because the body is in this holding pattern where it pulls all the circulation into the heart and the vital organs. And so you start well, and your defined lose... heart, right? Correct. So suddenly that's, yeah. you're splenic, but you're, you're defined heart. 100%. Right. And so you start to lose feeling and blood flow to your hands and your feet. Yeah. And yeah. I, there's something here. There's something here mm-hmm. in this movement. I think that, you know, one of the reasons that I really wanted to do this series with you on the podcast and, and to, for both of us to invest our time into it is because there is a space of reclamation for manifestors amongst their bodies. We, yep. We got it. We have mm-hmm. to do this. We have this unique experience as a manifestor soul in a human meat mm-hmm. suit that just, yes, we yeah. have to take exquisite care of our bodies, but I, I, you and I were saying this before we hit Exquisite record. care. Exquisite. Like, exquisite care. Yeah. I think we have to take ultra responsibility 
for it, mm-hmm. ultra responsibility in mm-hmm. ways that other people don't. Um, but understanding that perhaps we're always going to have a bit of a, like a baseline Achilles heel as a manifester yeah. because we're loading and a Maybe lot we of should know what that is, right? Body. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that perhaps that's not a failing, right? As a, totally. As a, I, I totally agree. You know, I, a, I think it could be a power, a power, a powerful thing. Correct. Correct. Well, that's, there's always the antithesis, isn't it? Right. The one yeah. side of the coin is power. The other side of the coin is shadow or trauma. Mm-hmm. So I know for myself as a person who spent 18 years with a chronic liver disease, even though I'm I'm actually completely in formal recovery, I, I'm in the group of cured people. I do not have liver disease. I have no signs of liver disease. But when my too. Energy, yeah, when my energy is not moving in alignment, my liver swells and I get liver pain. How fascinating. Yeah, Holly, like I'm in I've been in remission for almost two decades. But when I push it or when I I don't know, like the the first place I start to break down is my chest, is my heart. And so many ego manifestors that I connect with have like a high resting heart rate. Our hearts pound. You know, like (laughs) like they pound. So many ego manifestors like get this little red rash, you know, when they're when they're speaking their truth, they're like, "Ah, yes. There's my little thing coming out. Um, and and just a little side note, I was just reflecting on when you were telling your story there uh, from my, the chemo and radiation that I had, I have a neuropathy that affects my brain and affects um, my extremities. So I had something called foot drop where I have a, had a tricky time walking and I used to fall for years. Mm. Um, just all of a sudden my, my foot would give out and I would just fall. And, and it was really bad. I used to wear heels a lot. And it was making it worse, right? Like this high clicky clacky lifestyle. I was just bail. And it was, it was embarrassing to be honest. And I, and I would really, really hurt myself. Like I would get, I had black ankle, you know, it was just awful. And so I started to adjust my lifestyle because I was scared to fall. And I started, you know, not participating in things because I was scared to get hurt. And I just started to kind of pull back. And it was like, dang, that's really too bad. You know, that's really sad that I'm doing that. When I started to recognize I won't do certain things with my kids because of this neuropathy or I won't, you know, and it's not that I walk, you know, in a peculiar way or anything. My mom's like, I can always, I could pick your walk out of a crowd now because of you walk differently after being sick. And I'm like, <laughs> really? Like, oh my okay. God. Like, but it affected the extremities. Yeah. You know, like my damage came to the extremities. Like my toenails would just rip off because they would just, they couldn't just stay connected. And, and cardiovascularly, they had told me from my treatment, you know, you're, you're more like a senior inside. You know, your, your body's been through something that you're not somebody at the time. You're not like a teenager. You're like somebody who's in their fifties. So now if I'm in my thirties, we can see how my body would have possibly aged. But what also happened was, you know, my partner gave me another perspective, which was, um, you know, maybe you're not weak, actually, maybe you're not damaged from this. Maybe it's transformed you and you're super powerful, Mm. you know, like, your body was supposed to have a, a deadened mass in it forever, but you have nothing left in there. Your body ate your tumor after your treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, you had somebody around you with COVID sharing things and you didn't get it. Like, you know, like maybe you have to really reevaluate. Maybe you're not a sick person at all. You know, maybe you have to really reevaluate. And I just thought this was so kind because it just gave me the chance, whether that's true or not, as somebody who manifests at will, I can choose for that to be my reality. And then I will live that way and conduct myself that way. And my experiences and my body will shift. And people have been telling me since I've been playing with this and playing with that concept and playing with a variable, like, man, you look good. 
It's like, you look like younger. You look, and I'm like, yeah, like there is something that goes on. You look more yourself. You like, wow. And and of course, in my experience with, with radical transformation, studying variable, I had a significant weight release or weight loss experience, which does happen to a lot of people. And I, I've cool said before, I try, I, I, I'm glad that you could, like, I have shows where you could like see like the change, you know, if on, I have YouTube shows and you can see that. And it started to become cool to me as the sixth line where it's like, wow, I see that I was messy and imperfect there, but look at the journey now. And that's just a witness that we see once we apply it, we put ourselves through these things wow, can change really come and find us, you know, if we're willing or open to explore it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I definitely see, well, firstly, I think that when you have any kind of medical trauma, like through a chronic illness, particularly the ones that are in that more intense fatal group, you you and I both went yeah. through a very long treatments with therapy, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. Which is incredibly damaging to your body. Yeah. Um, I, I think that we will probably spend the rest of our lives journeying through all of those things and and through the I many, think so too. Yeah, the many identities and the many aspects of that trauma, which in itself is a beautiful evolution, right? There's, I agree. there's so much to work with there. When I when I look back now, because I'm really at a place of relative safety, you know, I'm I'm 39 now. I got sick when I was 14. I went into uh full full recovery at 30. So I'm now I'm now nearly wow. a decade past kind of the yeah. the crash zone of that illness. Um, I can definitely see uh, my motivation, which is hope, and my perspective, obviously, which we talked about last episode of possibility, yeah, really coming through in that story. And um, at the time, because I was diagnosed so young, I I was healthy, and then quite overnight, I went into liver failure. I remember it distinctly. It was just this immediate fall into liver failure. And that of course made doctors scramble, right? Yeah. A 14 year old should not, should not do that. Um, During that time, I really felt like a lot of people had this reflection on me of, oh, this is really inspiring. And because I wanted to be normal, I, I refused to go to hospital. I refused to do hospital stays. Um, I continued to to go to school full time and try to have as much of a social life as I could. And Me you know, too. I graduated yeah. academically at the top of my school and I went on to university and I got married and I had three kids. And so a lot of this reflection was like, oh, this is so inspiring that you pushed through, you know, how did you do it? I had always reflected on myself and said, it's because when I got diagnosed, I was a teenager and I didn't like being told, you know, I would, I, at the time of my diagnosis, I was told I wouldn't live past 21 and my God. Right. And I said, no, (laughs) I was told I wouldn't have kids. Right. I was also told, yeah, I'd be lucky to have one. Yeah. And yeah. um, Firstly, don't listen to prognoses. (laughs) Well, like they're not like, they're not God. They're just making educated guesses. It's a guess, right? Yeah. It's Um, a guess. But when I, I really thought there was just sort of a rebellious resistance in me that pulled me through. When I look back now, I really think that was actually my possibility and my hope that was drawing Mm -hmm. me through that. I always saw the possibility of a life without this illness. I didn't know how, I had no concept of how that would happen. And, And at times that almost crushed me because I was sick for so long and I was being told like, this will eventually just kill you. 
And, you know, I Mm -hmm. spent 18 years on chemotherapy and I was looking down the barrel of the rest of my life on chemotherapy. Um, For me, there, I saw hope because there was genuine hope. There was a place of, I can, I can hold this hope for myself and for my own body, even though other people can't hold that because they're not seeing it. Um, and as soon as I had any level of autonomy and I had money and I could do what I wanted to do with my body, I wasn't, you know, living with my parents. I wasn't reliant on their decisions. I started to explore all of the different ways that I could treat my body. And ultimately that's what landed me in the You could take control. Correct. Correct. That's, I I did a lot of trauma work, really a lot of trauma work. And, and in my perspective, that's, that's what changed my body that's what changed that disease process and ended it. It's neat to hear you bring it to your hope motivation because, you know, my cancer experience too led me to my need motivation, which felt like I don't have all the information here. Mm. Something's missing here. And I could feel that. And it really did set my course in my life. You know, that experience of getting sick and being, and having that traumatic event, I wouldn't, take it away because all my knowledge and wisdom and experience is based on that event and those, those series of events. And I remember them saying like, we don't know why this happened and me feeling like, Hmm, well, I will find that, you know, like, or I would like <laughs> to explore that. And, um, I'm learning, you know, you don't have to cure cancer. You don't have to come up with all the solutions, Vanessa. That's not what this is. It's a matter of expressing your own story and what's happened to you and to inspire enough people to want to understand themselves too, just based on your own story. Like I have a friend of mine, she's like, just lead with your story. It slaps. Like who else do you know whose dad died of cancer? And then a couple of years later, you almost died of cancer. And like, it's a weird story. Like Vanessa, just go with that. And I started talking about it again because there are times where I'm like, oh, people are probably tired of hearing about this. Um, but, But who cares? That's what really happened to me. You know, there's some real fucked up things I saw and it really did kind of inspire my drive. And I'm, I kind of bow to the experience for that because it led me to see, I don't have all the information here and I'd like to go out and find that for myself. And I make a living through that drive. Mm. You know, my, my professional life and personal life are completely interwoven And whatever I'm interested in, I just publicly talk about. And whether I'm a spokesperson for the Canadian Cancer Society or a journalist for some publication or creating some beautiful art forms on the internet, it takes care of me now, you know, and it helps me understand reality and make sense of the world, which is need motivation. So um, in a strange way, I'm grateful for every experience I had because it made me curious about the world around me and myself. And isn't that, that's the ultimate empowerment, isn't it? Yeah. To me, totally. to me, that is transmutation. That is yeah. like, uh, what was designed to be my trauma, what was designed to be my shadow and, and my biggest wound. Yes. Was all of those things, but I was also able to transmute it into a power, into a usage, into an totally. impact and that a wisdom, right? That's the value mm-hmm. That's the value of it. And and to see, I also don't, I don't speak a great deal about my illness. I, I will, I will soon, probably. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll girl, you got to get up. Like, oh, hello. Come on, guys. I'll hello. What a story. <laughs> what a story. 
But yeah. I, we would love, we would love to hear that as, as the ones in your community, we would love to hear your story about what happened to you and how you took care of yourself and what you learned from that. Like in a way, like, you know, when manifestors present their stories to the field and other manifestors hear it, we're just like, holy shit, what are we doing? We got this power available. Yeah. What are we doing? You know, that informing. I shall receive it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I now get to experience this very cool reality where this space of hope that is because it's a tomb, right? The hope is a tomb. It's, it's, I kind of reserve it's it for myself. It is this very like mm-hmm. personal in its little creative space, almost vulnerable thing. Um, I now get this experience of being able to see when I share that hope, it amplifies amongst other people and it catches people grab that hope from me oh, yeah. and they take on hope is so inspiring oh yeah right? and like that is that is just beautiful and that has been the driving force behind the whole manifesto community all of it is that yeah that's what motivates me that i i think there is genuinely hope for the entire collective of manifestors to heal and to reclaim oh yeah you can't convince me otherwise well manifestors just- they say yeah, they say like we have to find our new role, right? There's a new alpha in town, the projector. And so the manifestors are put out to pasture. Like, what's your role? And I do think on some level it is to deeply inspire, yeah. you know, and to bring change. It's not about leading yeah. at all. I don't I think, in fact, I think that whole concept is probably going to dilute itself and fall away over these next few years. But yeah, it's about definitely. inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. I think if anything, like what I see in myself is that I facilitate, you know, I, I don't totally, I don't see that role of, of leadership for manifestors, probably Me for either. projectors, but I, I agree with you that I think cool. they'll the probably home, be better at it. They'll love Please it. Guide us. All that recognition. Go ahead. Take it guys. Oh yeah. Um, But I agree with you too, that I think that the old paradigm concept that we've had of leadership is, yeah. is yeah. dying anyway. And so manifestors need to sort of rid ourselves of that language a bit and I agree you know allow ourselves to take that individual journey get insanely passionate and obsessive about knowing yourself being aware of yourself healing yourself moving through your because when people see that and they (laughs) see you're doing that and you've made that available to them that can really change the world as soon as you just that's when you impact, when you radically take care of yourself, radically understand yourself, radically choose yourself, you will be a force for others more than any other design type. Yep. Simply because of your aura, when you do that, it slaps, it lands more powerfully than any other design type, yep. simply because of the nature of how we're designed. So if you can do anything, like devote yourself to falling in love with your own design, mm. you know, and you're falling in love with your own story and letting that be like all the material you play with and really kind of devoting yourself to that. Others who witness you are transformed. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. You don't even, mm-hmm. you don't even need to consciously. Do you don't that. have to do anything to them. Yeah, <laughs> no. You know, it's just yeah. happening. Apparently people are leaving their partners, you know, because of the work. Oh God, Holly, this, this <laughs> triggering. Yeah. Oh my God. But like, yeah, my, my, you know, as an ego being, I, I'm, I have to learn and recognize when to not take an excess amount of responsibility. And I'm happy to do that. And um, another manifester activated me in that. I bowed to them. Thank you for that. And if you are in a relationship and you are not happy, get out of there. 
<laughs> whether that's with your boss or your friend or your partner, whatever, but you're, you know, you have to take accountability for your own life. 100% true. <laughs> it's so resonant of everything you've been saying to me on a personal level lately. <laughs> I'm just having a little giggle over here. <laughs> Listen to Vanessa. Vanessa knows what she says. Mm. Always bow to the ego. Man. And okay and come and come play in the wellness club oh my god because we're completing this series we're completing this series and you have till april 1st to get in yes and then it's gonna be closed for a time while i recover and take care of my heart and then i'll open it again in the future but you know it waits on it waits on the urge and if this is something that you're wanting to play with and explore and you're wanting to get to know yourself in a in a deeper way um, this is a manifestor friendly environment to do that. There is a high volume of manifestors in the club just because I'm a manifestor and it, it attracts them. But also there's a, also a high volume of reflectors because I mm. let reflectors in for free. So um, if you're a reflector <laughs> listening to this, reach out to my team. But this is for manifestors. But there's there's a high volume of those two design types. But also there is everybody there. There's all design types, all colors, all tones. Um, it's, it's really for everybody. Um, it's for anybody. I shouldn't say for everybody. We never like to hear that. It's for anybody who, um, is speaks human design and wants to access a deeper place of health within themselves. So worthwhile. So worthwhile. This episode is coming out on the 29th of March and the wellness club closes on the 1st of April, I believe. Yeah. So there's a couple of days, two to three days in there. If you're listening to this episode, as it comes out, yep. which I know a lot of you do. So link is in. If the you're listening notes. to it in the future, if you're listening in the future, because you're super cool and you're this cool being who came in zoomed in in the future, uh, there's there's a wait list and you can join the wait list. And I would encourage you to do so that you can get in when we open next. I'd send you an alert so you could jump on it at the soonest opening in case you missed it. So don't feel bad. But if you are catching it in real time or close soon after, um, yeah, get in there. Get in there before April 1. It's good. It's really, 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 really. Thanks, my friend. <laughs> You're fun, right? Welcome. Fun life. I know. Fun life. Fun life. <laughs> uh, Vanessa, thank you. Thank you for just firstly for hanging out with us for four weeks yes. on the podcast. That Thanks for having me. Cool. Oh, you're so welcome. I feel like it's been, uh, for me, it's been really nice to be able to share more of you with the manifested community because I, I get a lot of you. I'm one of the privileged people that gets watched by Vanessa. <laughs> yeah, I watch her. I know. If you <laughs> ever get watched by Vanessa, it's confronting and it's marvellous. <laughs> it's confronting <laughs> and marvellous. Oh, man. It's very special. It's very special. So um, I just, I'm incredibly honoured by your willingness to give your energy in this volume um, for you to share your wisdom and your your knowledge around this concept in such a deep way you've given us just an enormous amount here for free so I'm deeply appreciative. I, I adore the human design space I absolutely adore it because um, it's the only space as a manifester that I've entered into where people were really willing to understand me yeah. and that was very healing anywhere else I go in the world there's just natural repelling energy it's true but when I'm in the human design space and people see, oh, she's an ego manifester, they immediately have somewhat of a sense of me and how to behave with me. And I have to tell you, I've been met with a lot of respect and that's been incredibly healing for me. And a lot of that is, you know, 
from my own way of, of expressing, I'm not willing to receive any disrespect. You know, it's, it does start with me and I will then treat all my people with a very high volume of respect as well so that they get that from me. Cause that's what I want to be receiving. And that has been very healing for me. Mm. Um, I think the human design space, if you're a manifester, it's, it's a, a healing salve for you, you know, to come in and play in and have projectors to see you and generators love you and mm. other manifestors immediately get you and reflectors be curious about you. It's just, it's spectacular. And because of what's been shown to me, of course there were mistakes and hiccups and bumping into people, but as I've been in this space longer, there's a real respect here for manifestors. Yeah. And I think it's very healthy for us to be in spaces like that because I think it leads us to healing because so much of the world is not informed. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think one of, this really comes back to the environment variable. Everything comes back. To I know, I'm telling you. That's right, the best when, one. Yeah. I think when you're going through any, any healing journey, Placing yourself in an environment which is supportive of that healing yep. journey, even if that just looks like uh, removing yourself from some relationships or a workplace in your yes. real life because yes. they are not supportive of, of your desire to heal yourself, it's that's going to change everything. What you receive yep. in from the outside is going to fuel you as you move forward. So instead of working in resistance, to everything all the time, come into these spaces, come into um, the wider human design community, come into Vanessa's work with variables, come into the manifesto community, experience being seen and being yeah. loved and just being given outright permission to be exactly who yeah. you are. I mean, I, to me, nothing is more beautiful than that. It's incredibly healing. Well, thank you, Vanessa. Thank you, thank you, thank you. For people who want to follow you. Thanks for having work, me. You're so welcome. For people who want to follow your work more broadly, you mostly hang out on Instagram, I believe. Yes, you can find me at vanessahenry.com. But also I have really cute um, YouTube shows and I have I produce a show called HDIRL, which is very cute. It's showing people living their design in real life and I point out their variable. So if you want to see variable in action playing out and how does that look in the real world, Check out my show HDIRL on YouTube and check out my show On the Roof with my partner. It's just a fun little six line show commenting on life and pointing out the human design and it's short and cute and people really like that. Um, so you can find me on YouTube. Vanessa Henry Network is my handle there. Uh, Vanessa Henry on Instagram. It's pretty much Vanessa Henry everywhere. It's you know, Vanessa there isn't everywhere. another one out there. Yeah, I, ch I chose that name very intentionally and um, didn't want to be Vanessa henry because that's bland and there's a million not that that's bland there's a million of them and my my real name is vanessa kunderman but my i perform under vanessa henry and so you can really search that anywhere and you'll find me you'll find me so instagram um youtube my website and i want to drop this in there too pinterest if you want to see examples of environments check out my environment boards on pinterest Everything you'll find is is basically about variable. So come find me. Come find her. Well, thank you, Persona Vanessa Henry, for Persona. Us yeah. Four weeks of your stage. Six lines. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Love that. Thank you for being here. We deeply appreciate you. Thanks for having and, me. And um, good luck with the Wellness Club. I hope it is just richly, richly full of souls who are ready to. Train. Thank you. I'll see you in there. 
Thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us today in another episode of the Hunting for Purpose podcast. We so enjoy having you here and whether you are listening to my insights or the wisdom of one of our other incredibly talented manifesto specialists, we really truly hope that you have taken away power, transformation and wisdom about your own manifesto magnificence. Before you go and switch off, we would be so humbly grateful if you could take the time to either leave a podcast review right on the platform that you're listening to, or if you feel like it, please do a share across your social media. We love to hear how each of the episodes is impacting you, and we love to provide an opportunity for you to inform us via social media. So please share a story or a post about this episode and tag us at The Manifesto Community. Until next time, please, manifestors, keep hunting for purpose.